And good morning to you, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and a fun show ahead. First, uh, we want to welcome in all of our listeners and Matt making the magic happen on the other side of the glass. Around here, we say a hearty, happy Wednesday Eve. It's our Tuesday edition of the show. Happy Wednesday Eve, Matt, and to everybody listening. Good, good morning, Zach. As always. Good morning. <laughs> uh, uh, today's show is going to be fun. I want to jump right in because there's lots to talk about, and uh, you know, time is always short. We're going to start, and I'll introduce our guests in a minute. Uh, we're going to talk about making Tucson the space city of the Southwest. And you're not going to hear it from me. You're going to hear it from someone who actually knows what they're doing and actually knows what they're talking about. Uh, but this is a soapbox that I remain on, and we're going to start uh, with Stephen Fleming in just a minute, an, e- an expert in university-based economic development and the space ecosystem in Tucson uh, specifically. And we'll see how long that conversation goes. Uh, and depending on that, uh, I also want to talk about how I think the American city – uh, is the great equalizer in American life today. And I'll take a look at the L.A. mayor's race, uh, a rare outside of southern Arizona look at an example of a city that I think shows what I'm talking about is American cities are the great equalizer and I think the great hope of American political life um, right now, that and more. But I want to introduce right now, live with us in studio, is Stephen Fleming, Director of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation uh, the Center for Quantum Networks, and you have your resume is too long to list, but please, please don't. Uh, you you have been again a part of university-based economic development here and in other places around the country. Stephen, it's great to finally be with you. Admired your work from afar, and now we get to have a conversation. So thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me here this morning. I appreciate it. So before we get going, today is around here Wednesday Eve, but there's a more important day that we are acknowledging today that actually relates to what the heck we're talking about. So Stephen, what is what's special? About about April 12th. April 12th is actually a big day in the space business. Uh, it's, it's two anniversaries. Uh, the, the biggest one, of course, is Yuri Gagarin, uh, the first human in space, uh, launched and orbited the Earth on this date in 1961. Okay. Uh, and exactly 20 years later, um, I was on the uh, causeway across the, uh, the, the, uh, the water from the space shuttle uh, when the first space shuttle took off uh, okay. on uh, April 12th, 1981. So there's a couple of big anniversaries in the space business on April 12th. April 12th is a uh, notable day in space. I doubt we'll do anything here today that is to that, <laughs> to that extent, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, maybe today, Stephen, we will uh, light a match and put gas on the fire and get something going here around Tucson as the space city of the southwest and uh i know you listened to some shows before i think that that tucson is in this kind of pittsburgh moment we're in this window of time that i think is closing to be quite honest where we can really brand uh, communicate invest and grow our space ecosystem to where we can really own the title space city of the southwest and probably beyond but space city of the southwest am i nuts Stephen? or is that is that realistic no it's it's realistic we need to do some work um the the, the opportunity has emerged because what's happening is we've seen a lot of the activity a lot of the energy a lot of the money um, invested in space is no longer being funneled directly through NASA. So it used to be mm-hmm. the space cities were the NASA cities. Yes. Houston, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, Cape Canaveral, yes. 
um, Ames, which is outside of Silicon Valley, uh, Dayton, Ohio, believe it or not. So those, those places that had NASA centers were places where space activity was happening. Now you're seeing Elon Musk building rockets down on Boca Chica, which is in the, in the Texas coast. Um, you've got Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos, uh, both in Washington State and in Texas. Uh, you've got other companies, uh, you know, Astra is building out in Alameda. Uh, you've got other companies uh, launching out of Wallops in Virginia. And you've actually got a couple of companies here in Tucson um, that, that are building uh, interesting vehicles, which we can talk about a little later. So what's happening is there's five or six cities that are not traditional NASA centers, which are suddenly perking up and saying, hey, you know, we can play in the space business. Uh, what you're seeing is some of them have really embraced that. Uh, I'd say Boulder, Colorado is probably the leader. Um, and then, of course, Texas is Texas. They're doing a lot of things. But there is room for a place which has a strong research university, has a highly educated population, has a lot of empty space around it, where you empty dirt around it, mm -hmm. where you can launch things and not hurt anybody, uh, and is connected to the national economy in ways that, for example, rural New Mexico just aren't. So I think there's a, a huge potential here. Uh, this is why we did the Deloitte study, uh, getting to be five, five, yeah, yeah. four, four or five years ago, um, and uh, we compared ourselves uh, to a lot of these cities and uh, came out feeling pretty good about the results. I, I want to ask you about that Deloitte report, uh, certainly before we go to our first break, but from my naive kind of outside perspective, I think what we have to break through in this community is that the research, the innovation, the funding, the technology being created within the University of Arizona is nothing short of incredible. Uh, I mean, the University of Arizona excels in this in, uh, in this sector, like few universities in this country. It seems to me like the uh, uh, taking that and making it impactful in the uh, economy outside uh, of the university wall, so to speak, that hasn't quite happened yet. There's, there's, it has in in a certain way, but I don't know if the scale is quite there yet. The, what do you the, think? The scale doesn't match up with with what we've done academically uh, or from a research effort. I, I don't think people necessarily realize just how exceptional the University of Arizona it's is amazing. in terms of space science. Uh, the National Science Foundation has ranked U.S. universities uh, for thirty odd years. Uh, for spending on astronomy and astrophysics, uh, and we have been number one on that every year since we've had the rankings. So University of Arizona is at the top of the game. Um, when the Phoenix lander was a Mars lander a few years back, uh, when we got that mission, no public university had ever run a NASA mission before. We've now run two, uh, and we're working on our third. So uh, there's there's capabilities here which, you know, other big-name universities would kill to have, and yes. we have it right here in Tucson because of decisions dating back into the really late 50s, early 1960s. Uh, so we're, we're, we're mm. living on 60 years of heritage, and we've got an extraordinarily powerful position in space science and space research. What we have not done successfully yet uh, is turn that into commercialization yes. of those activities to see um, companies to see investment to see to be blunt jobs yes. um, spun out of that. A lot of our graduates who work on these projects during their academic careers then move to these other traditionally NASA cities. They move. They move to Houston. They move to Huntsville. They move to San Francisco, uh, and we have brain drain. Mm -hmm. uh, one of one of my hopes for this part of my career is to be able to keep those young people uh, in Tucson or at least in Arizona. 
uh, and build their companies here. Yeah, man, you're speaking my language. That's uh, I, I, I've heard that's, enough of your <laughs> enough of your talks that I know we're we're in sync on this. <laughs> that's that's what I literally get paid in this community to try and do is to keep people here. Uh, Stephen, I, I think this is a great point to pause and go to our first break because I, as I was even talking about this last week, I had listener messages in saying, Zach, you keep saying that we could be the space city of the Southwest, but what does that look like? Mm-hmm. What are those technologies? What what does that mean? I think the Deloitte report sort of speaks to four areas, and I'd love to get your thoughts on sure. uh, if we're going to take this and uh, and we're going to put gas on the fire, so to speak, What is what are the recommendations and how do we make progress? That's where I love to go sure. now that you've set the table in this first segment. Matt, let's do that. Let's go visit some of our great sponsors that make the dream work around here. When we come back, part two of our conversation with Stephen Fleming, an expert in university-based economic development uh, for many years around the country now at the University of Arizona as the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation at the Center for Quantum Networks. We'll be right back for more here on Tipping Point on 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk. 1030 The Voice. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. Your FC Tucson Soccer Club is back for its first home match of the 2022 USL League One season. This Saturday, April 16th at 7, we host Forward Madison. Tickets are as low as $14. Get your season tickets now and find information on all ticket specials at fctucson.com slash tickets. Or call the ticket office at 520-600-3095. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. 
The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. You're listening to Tipping Point with me, your host, Zach Yenser. And live in studio is Stephen Fleming, the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation at the Center for Quantum Networks at the University of Arizona, but involved more broadly across universities across this country in university-based economic development. And we started talking in the first segment about the many seeds in the ground uh, driven in large part by the University of Arizona. Uh, the reality of Tucson becoming the space city of the Southwest is uh, is not crazy. Um, we have to tell the story better and commercialize the incredible research and technologies within the University of Arizona to create jobs uh, and impact in the economy. Uh, there's so much to talk about, Stephen. It's hard to figure out where to start and where to go. But I had, I had some listeners message in last week when I said Space City of the Southwest. And they said, what does that mean? When we are talking about technologies that are touring space, going into space, mining in space, what are we talking about what does that look like? Well, what's what's happening in the bigger world is um, space is being converted from you know the National Space Program, which we all grew up you know watching uh, astronauts being heroic uh, as as NASA employees, uh, into a space industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now on the space station, there are four people on space station who are not NASA employees, mm. uh, who are not under contract to NASA, who did not ride in a NASA vehicle, uh, and these private citizens. Uh, launched in one of Elon's rockets and docked the station and knocked on the door and said, can we come in? Um, obviously, it was more complicated than that. But, but not that, much but, more. But, but, but that's new. That, that, that would have been unthinkable. Yeah, five um, years ago. Uh, maybe you thought of it five years, but ten years ago, yeah. it, would have been, it would have been like people would have laughed at you. So we're seeing the private sector emerge as a major player in space activities. They always have been with communication satellites. What we're seeing now is more and more sorts of satellites on orbit for communications, for imaging, for other sorts of sensing, and also with people, uh, with crew to go up there and, and do actual, you know, economically valid activities that are not just either national chest beating, hey, look at us, uh, or pure science. There, there's people actually, you know, building things on station that they want to mm-hmm. sell. Um, so, so that's new. Where can Tucson play in that? Um, look, there's there's huge number of segments in the space market. There are some where we have an unfair advantage uh, because of what we've been doing for the last 60 years. For example, uh, we have the largest space domain awareness, space situation awareness, the names are, are equivalent, uh, space domain awareness department in the country. Which just means we so, know when space junk is going to crash it, into the moon, when planets are going to run into each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah, pla- planets don't run into each oh, other that often. But, but um, uh, it, it, it's observing what's out there in space, where it's going, yeah. and is it going to do anything that we care about. Now, sometimes that's just a rock. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an asteroid. 
and half of all the asteroids known to humanity were discovered in Tucson. People don't know that. Um, we, we, we have the Catalina Sky Survey up on, on, on Mount, Mount Lemmon, and that's where we find asteroids. Um, we're now moving that into space uh, with the NEO-Surveyor mission. We're going to be looking for asteroids from a space telescope. Uh, for which the principal investigator, Amy Meinzer, is a University of Arizona professor. And that's how we're going to be looking for potential damaging asteroids. Uh, sometimes, as you say, it's a piece of space junk. There, there was uh, word just in the last month or so that, oh, SpaceX lost one of their boosters and is going to crash into the moon. And folks here at University of Arizona said, uh, you know, we actually ran those orbits, and uh, that's not a SpaceX booster. That's yeah. actually an old Chinese booster from right. several years ago, and it's their fault that yeah. we're going to go pollute the moon with this crater. And here's the day and time so, it's going to hit. And, and, and they nailed it. And I they mean, were they, right. They, they got a bullseye. Amazing. Um, so, so part of it is, is tracking junk, and, and space debris, space junk is an enormous problem. We can, we'll, we'll come back to that later and maybe the second half hour if we have time. <laughs> um, and then the, the last part of, of space situation awareness, space domain awareness, is active measures. I mean, are people maneuvering satellites to do something? I mean, China has now put up a satellite with a claw robot arm on one end of it. They say it's for scientific purposes, but they could grab hold of somebody else's satellite and do something with it. Um, you need to be able to know who's in, who's in orbit, where are they going, are they maneuvering, are those maneuvers going to mean something which could potentially be dangerous to our assets uh, in, in the West. And again, uh, we probably have more people on, on faculty in our, our grad program looking at that than any other university in the country. Amazing. Um, so we're starting up a Space Force. We're, we're two or two and a half years into Space Force now. That's going to be one of Space Force's huge areas of focus. And one of the hobby horses that I've been riding for a while is Space Force ought to put that activity at Davis-Monthan Air Force Base. Yes. Uh, and rename it Davis-Monthan Joint Base, have it in yes. Air Force and Space Force activity. Because... The, the radars are here, the telescopes are here, the grad students are here, the knowledge is here, the clear skies are here. We've got a great big Air Force base that needs more missions. Mm -hmm. Put all this at davis Monthan. Yes. And, and I know we've talked about situ uh, you know, um, the, the, uh, that domain awareness, space situational awareness, as you've called it, and I think that's one of three or four things. I think that one, something that we haven't fully grappled with in Tucson is that space is the new frontier for uh, international conflict mm -hmm. here on Earth. And a lot of some people don't want to talk about it, but the yeah. University of Arizona is involved on the defense side of this well mm -hmm. as well with hypersonic research and, and we know that that is happening in collaboration with Raytheon as China and Russia are ramping up these technologies. It is a literal arms race. And we can't forget that the U of A has a huge piece in that puzzle mm -hmm. too, even as we'd like to not talk about it. Uh, we have to. There, there's a lot of people who like to uh, pretend that space is a peaceful commons and we're there for the good of all man. That's what we put, we put on the lunar landers. We come in peace for all mankind. And, and that is a noble aspiration, and I think in general the United States has lived up to that aspiration. But at the same time, space has been a warfighting domain hmm. since 1944 when the V-2 rockets were landing on London. They went through space to get there. Um, Intercontinental ballistic missiles, uh, first launched in the 1950s, went through space to get there. Um, have we stationed weapons in space? No. Have we used space uh, for weapons to transit through? Yes. 
Have we used tracking and guidance and surveillance systems mm-hmm. in space to target those weapons? Absolutely, since the 1960s. So there has always been a military component to having the high ground. I mean, mm-hmm. ask, ask Pickett's Charge at, at Gettysburg <laughs> right. if you'd like to be at the bottom of the hill or the top of the hill. <laughs> That's right. Um, so the, the high ground has always had military benefit, and space will have that. So mm-hmm. we can't ignore the fact that, you know, no matter how much we do or don't talk about it, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be an advantage to being at the top of the hill looking down rather than at the bottom of the hill looking up. And, yes, um, you know, we in, in the United States and we in Tucson uh, can play parts in that. Uh, yeah. You know, Raytheon here in town, um, you know, their, their former engineer used to laugh at me that, uh, you know, she put more objects into space than any other company in America. They just don't stay there very long because <laughs> they're just firing missiles up into it. Um, but, yeah, you know, some of Raytheon's uh, mm-hmm. missiles look a lot like, you know, the sounding rockets, which were used back in the 1960s mm. to, to do research on the upper atmosphere and radiation. Mm. So there is a lot of activity. Um, any ICBM or any missile like that, by definition, is a hypersonic missile. Uh, it looks like the ones that were used in Ukraine a couple weeks ago were just regular missiles. There wasn't anything terribly special about them. Um, what gets exciting is when you can actually run an air-breathing engine, in other words, something that burns the oxygen from the atmosphere, at hypersonic speeds. Hypersonic is defined at Mach 5 and above. That's really hard. That's really, really hard because you're basically trying to light a candle in a hurricane and keep it lit. And uh, some of that work um, is being done by Raytheon. Some of that work is being done by other companies. And some of the testing is being done here at University of Arizona. We have two um, very large, uh, very expensive uh, wind tunnels uh, in the uh, Aerospace Mechanical Engineering Building. Uh, both run at Mach 4 or 5 sorts of speeds. And, yeah, there's there's active testing on that being done uh, here with, with our partners, both in the government and in industry. Mm. Uh, a lot of it's classified, which it should be. Um, but there's um, a center of activity here in Tucson that most cities don't have, those sorts it's of wind amazing. tunnels. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. We're probably about a minute away from break, but I think the one that makes the most sense on the name of it is space tourism. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing even on the commercials, on the private side, you know, Worldview is getting back to its original mission of, uh, of sending um, space tourists mm-hmm. at an, in an inexpensive way relative to the market right now. It's, it's the price of an SUV. It, you know, there, yeah. there's a lot of people who can afford the Worldview experience, which is, uh, you know, a 10 to 12 hour experience in the stratosphere. Uh, the, the earth is round, uh, the sky is black, um, you're, you're not going to the space station, Correct. but it sure feels like space. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be a great experience. I'm looking forward to it. So. Yeah, so I think, I, I think uh, you know, that space tourism experience, I think, is another part of the, the commerce of space, the business of space that right. uh, probably is the most tangible to kind of make sense of. Yeah. Uh, we, have, we have wrangled Stephen Fleming into a third segment with us. Stephen, thank you for that flexibility. Director of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation, the Center for Quantum Networks at the University of Arizona, an expert in uh, university-based economic development. Uh, I want to talk in the third segment about how do we take all this that you've mentioned and make it a benefit to Tucson and Southern Arizona? How do we become the space city of the Southwest, create jobs, create economic impact, create a name for ourselves, and take all this stuff out of the classroom and off campus and and bring it into Southern Arizona? That's where I want to go when we come back. Lots more to go, Tucson, here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. Tipping Point returns after a short break. We'll be right back. (music) 
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Your FC Tucson Soccer Club is back for its first home match of the 2022 USL League One season. This Saturday, April 16th at 7, we host Forward Madison. Tickets are as low as $14. Get your season tickets now and find information on all ticket specials at fctucson.com slash tickets. Or call the ticket office at 520-600-3095. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. It's our Wednesday Eve, Tuesday edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser here on AM 1030 KVOI, the voice of the in-depth news conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. Thanks for being with us. Before we jump back in to our conversation today, this segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, a few doors down from the Rialto Theater in downtown Tucson. They're serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, some ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger. And mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15.15% discount off your next order. We're back in studio with Stephen Fleming, the Director of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation at the Center for Quantum Networks uh, at the University of Arizona, a longtime expert in various places around this country on university-based economic development. Uh, and really has been, I think, a a thought leader over the last number of years in Tucson uh, around how do we take advantage of the unparalleled expertise uh, and knowledge and research and innovation within the University of Arizona around space, technology, space research, space exploration, and how do we get that outside the four walls of just the university and into the community uh, to make Tucson the space city of the Southwest and I've been talking about that idea, but Stephen actually knows what he's talking about. And so my job is uh, is, is to, to bring bring people who know what they're talking about in here to uh, to share with us. And so that's been our first two segments. Stephen has been kind enough to give us an extra segment today over what was uh, asked for. And in this third segment, Stephen, I'd love to talk about um, how do we do that? Uh, what do we need to be doing to really pour gas on this fire and do all the things that we talked about in the first two segments? 
I think when you look at what's happening in the space economy, the, the big phase change, th- there's been one big phase change that has already happened, which is lowering the, la- the price mm-hmm. of launch, and SpaceX has done that. Um, they've, they've brought the cost of putting something in orbit down into, literally, you could put a satellite size of a loaf of bread for a few hundred thousand dollars. I mean, the people mm-hmm. can afford to do that. The next big phase change is using the resources that are already there. Mm-hmm. Um, the moon is basically the size of Africa. So you've got a continent the size of Africa ready to be exploited. Um, and there's, there's no natives to worry about, so there's no, there's no uh, colonization issues. Um, if you look at what is out there, I think we'll look back in 20 years and see that the first space mining probe, the first space mining mission was or is OSIRIS-REx. Hmm. Uh, which is being run from the University of Arizona. We've right. gone out and grabbed a bucket full of, of regolith or of dirt and rocks from an asteroid, and we're bringing it back next year. That's 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 a, that's a mining sample. We're going to know what's on that asteroid if we ever want to yes. mine it, and we need to do that again and again and again and again to other asteroids, to comets, uh, to other heavenly bodies like the moon. We need to figure out what's out there. Then we need to figure out what to do with it. So we already have proven that we have the initial expertise for the exploration. Right across campus, um, we are the there's a thing called the AAU, American Association of Universities. It's the top research universities in the United States. It's 60 or so of them. Uh, we are a very proud member of AAU. Uh, we're the only AAU university that has a mining program. All the others got shut down really? because it was dumb, dirty, and dangerous. And, and, you know, why would we want to teach our students how to mine? Well, it turns out it's not done dirty and dangerous. It's actually a very high-tech business. Yeah. Uh, at one point, I think Caterpillar had a larger autonomous fleet than, than, than Google uh, or Tesla or anybody. So um, there's an enormous amount of high technology going into the mining business because of all the demands on green energy and batteries and need more copper and lithium and all these things here on Earth. A lot of that knowledge and a lot of that expertise is going to have to be reinvented to work on the moon and to work on asteroids. Well, University of Arizona has the space operations expertise. Yes. Uh, University of Arizona has the mining expertise. Yep. Um, you know, let's get some chocolate in your peanut butter mm. for those who are old enough to remember the old Reese's Cup ads. <laughs> uh, let, let's mix those together. And this city uh, can have a unique capability of taking interesting ideas, because there's been ideas about how to mine the moon for 50 years. But now it's time to start turning wrenches. Yes. Uh, and now it's time to start building hardware. And we could be the the center of the, the Western world uh, to do that right here in mm-hmm. Tucson. Uh, people don't realize we already are for mining technology. Uh, there's really three cities in the world that invent new stuff for hard rock mines. Uh, it's us, um, it's Valparaiso in Chile, uh, and it's Brisbane in uh, Australia. Wow. Those are the three places where new mining technology gets invented and tested. We are one of those three. Well, why don't we extend that a little bit and encourage, you know, let's, let's do some small investments. Because, because you can now test these things on the moon uh, for a few million dollars. And, yes, a million dollars is a lot of money, but it's not a few billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'd love to do is to see the Caterpillars and the Hexagons and the Modulars and yep. the the Freeport McMorans and those companies say, we're going to take a fraction of our R&D spend and see, you know, how do these things work in vacuum? How do these things work without gravity? How do these things work if you don't have lots of water? Uh, which are things that are they're kind of assumed in mining and, and right. uh, uh, 
in mining operations. How can we do that somewhere off Earth? Mm. That can happen in Tucson, That's and so and that wouldn't be that wouldn't be terribly expensive. Uh, some of that will be done by the big companies. Some of that will be d- be done by startup companies. I'd love to see an incubator, accelerator That's sort right. of activity focused on yep. these sorts of companies yep. with subject matter experts yep. coming in from Hexagon or Caterpillar or Freeport yep. McMoran and looking at these ideas and saying, that's really stupid, but, you know, if you twisted it this way, that that might work. Yes. Um, we could add so much value to these small companies because of the expertise we've got mm-hmm. on the space operations side and on the mining side. And, and then, of course, we also have public policy and law and business right. and, you know, all, all the other bits you need to make a, a, a startup work. Right. You know, we, we know how to do that as well. So there's a huge opportunity here for Tucson. I, I mean, this is it, – it's. I have to sit on my hands, I think, during this segment because this is, this is, again, the meat on the bones uh, that, that, that I've been trying to say. This is, this is the potential that we have. I have uh, ASU President Dr. Michael Crow oh, on the show on Friday. Always a good time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, I lovingly get frustrated. Uh, it's out of love for both universities, for both places. I think Phoenix and Tucson actually have the opportunity to link up and do some good things together. So it's, it's good-hearted frustration but i get frustrated when asu and thunderbird put together a masters of global space leadership before we do i get frustrated when a statewide gathering on space in the local economy doesn't happen here it happens at skyson um, up in phoenix i get frustrated when i see asu uh driving the cultural zeitgeist through podcasts on this topic uh, and bringing this to uh, the masses so to speak uh before we do that storytelling and branding um, as well as that venture capital and some of those very infrastructural things you just mentioned, I think has to happen here. If we gave Stephen Fleming the magic wand, um, <laughs> how do we take this 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 chest of gold uh, that we have in this community, and how do how do we how do we make this happen? All the things you mentioned, how do we make it happen? What do we need? There's several bits we need. You, you've actually nailed one of them. We need to tell our story better. Um, we we don't tell the story effectively, and when we do tell it, we talk about the science, which is awesome, and, and we're great at science. I mean, science pays my paycheck. But there's more to life than science, and there's a whole bunch of business people in the community who really don't care much about science. Uh, but if you can start talking about, oh, and this company is going to hire 100 engineers at a starting salary of $120,000 each, People care about that. Hmm. I mean, real estate developers care about that. Um, you know, you know, all, all sorts of people care about those sorts of activities. So I think telling our story in a way where uh, people feel that, like, yeah, that's a good community in which I can start my company. There's not just the human resources coming out of the university that I need, but there's physical resources in terms of, you know, the buildings that Sun Carter and other people have. Pima County's actually done a good job uh, of, of that. Um, there's financial resources, angel investment, venture capital, uh, accelerators, incubators. Have, having all of those bits um, around it as well, mm-hmm. that's how you take it from being, wow, they have great science and everybody, mm-hmm. you know, diasporas into other cities, to, wow, they have great science and people move across the street. That's right. Uh, and maybe they're at the bridges, uh, you know, at the tech park, uh, the new tech park. Uh, maybe they're in, you know, some other facility uh, down by the airport or what have you. Um, maybe we need to do um, you know, some things out in the desert where you can actually test rocket engines uh, because right now you test those in terrible places that are hard to get to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Mojave Desert. Um, 
having test facilities for that where you could just you know sell access to that to rocket companies and say hey you know you not only can get a commercial airline flight here which you can't to Mojave Desert uh, we have nice hotels and microbreweries and you know places you'd actually want to hang out for a week while you're testing your rocket engine um, yeah if we could have a uh, uh, a county branded or a university branded uh, rocket test facility that wouldn't cost much it's basically a piece of dirt with a chain link fence around it um, but that would be another thing we could do to attract these companies to see the unique capabilities of Tucson because we do have things which other cities around the country would just kill for mm, amazing I think I think what you've mentioned around the private sector is is well taken uh, and I think I think the public sector too in greater Tucson has some catch up to do on understanding what we have at the university and how to get behind it uh, in their way and that's what I'm fascinated about by the Pittsburgh model is there was this moment in time where the university the private sector and the public sector whether that was local government or NASA or whatever it was all kind of came to the table and said yeah this is our thing for them it was robotics and autonomous vehicles they got on a literal table and said we're in this for the next 10 years Let's go make it happen. And I just don't think and, we've and, hit that moment yet. And, and look what happened in, in Pittsburgh. Oh, it's unbelievable. Been, it's, it's, it's created, I don't know if it's billions, but certainly hundreds of millions of dollars worth of, worth of wealth um, that wouldn't have happened in that city without that. That's uh, right. Uh, there, there, there's, there's a phrase in, in policy of the triple helix, which is, which is academia, government, yes. industry, you know, all coiling around each other, working together. And it can be extraordinarily effective. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, getting a triple helix around mm-hmm. space and space mining and space uh, commercialization in Tucson. Um, we've got all the raw material. Uh, we need to assemble uh, the, the people, need to assemble the programs. We don't need to spend a lot of money. We need to spend a little money. Um, really, we need to put time into it, and people need to see it as a priority. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the biggest challenge. Yeah. Stephen Fleming, Director of Strategic Partnerships and Innovation, Center for Quantum Networks at the University of Arizona. This has been so much fun. I appreciate the extra segment that you've given us and kind of the Enjoyed food it. for thought and the expertise, honestly, that you've brought to this. I feel less like a guy shouting from the outside, and I feel validated by uh, by someone of your experience and expertise saying, yes, this is the moment we need to go in this direction. And I think the window is closing because I think... There's competitive, there are competition out there massive, with other cities. Massive um, competition. That have seen this as their their golden ticket yeah and um yeah there's there's only so much to go around and we need yep. to move quickly i love it let's end on that message Great. Stephen fleming let's do this again soon we'll, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep preaching here uh on the show on this and see what we can do in our own little way but uh until next time stay safe out there and uh we'll, we're on into each other soon Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Stephen. We're going to go to our final break of the hour. When we come back, one final segment you'll hear from me. We'll we'll take your phone calls, too, if you have any. 520-790-2040. Our final segment of this Wednesday Eve, Tuesday edition of Tipping Point returns in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. Ten thirty, The Voice, Tucson's trusted local news and talk. Hey you, if you're like a lot of people in Tucson, you'd love to look at a new home while interest rates are still low, but you hear prices have gone up, competition is fierce, and you'd just rather avoid the hassle. I'm Kathleen Jernigan with CNC Partners, and I want to tell you that you can make the move now. Our team is one of the most successful in greater Tucson, helping buyers get results in this hot market. Call 520-406-0233 and let us know you heard us on Tipping Point to schedule a no-strings-attached conversation to see if we can be on your team. 
1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wien of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Located just two doors down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger opened just last fall and is serving up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. They're open Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Friday and Saturday from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson and mention you heard about them on Tipping Point for 15% off your next order. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Bill Buckmaster, Pima County Supervisor Rex Scott, during the noon hour on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. Back Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. We are live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to the final segment of this Tuesday edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenser. I am your host, Zach Yenser. I am fired up uh, after the first three segments of today's show talking about this window of time uh, for Tucson to become the space city of the Southwest. And don't believe me. Don't listen to me. I've been yeah, I've been shouting it on the show. This is our potential. This is our moment. Uh, but don't listen to me. Listen to somebody who knows what they're t- talking about. Uh, s- sometimes I feel like the guy that can see the thing on the horizon um, that just sounds still just a little bit crazy. 
uh, don't listen to me. Listen to the people who are in the weeds and say, yeah, this is the moment that we had to do something that could be transformational for at least the half century in this community. And we say space city of the Southwest, but we could be one of the major space cities of this continent if we want to be. Uh, and we don't have to start from scratch. We merely have to, uh, I think, pull on a couple of levers and make a few tweaks, but we need leadership uh, to get it done. And Matt, I know that we had some listener comments, actually multiple uh, between you and I uh, over the last few minutes on the show of saying, look, we're excited too, these are listeners, who is going to, uh, uh, I think it was phrased, light the fire um, to get the initiatives discussed launched. And thank you for using the word launched, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended, either way it's great. Uh, let's launch this uh, this space thing. And, and look, you know, I, I think it would be great if I could tell you right now, here is the name of the person or two people uh, in this town who could go make it happen. And I get off there and I make a phone call. I don't know uh, necessarily who that person is. I think the closest answer I can get uh, to was someone uh, is someone that that uh, as Stephen Fleming said uh, right on his way out uh, who can create the triple helix the triple helix of getting university and academia aligned with the public sector locally with the private sector you got to have business leaders and you got to have electeds and you got to have our universities and our workforce development institutions around a literal table agreeing together that this is the thing over the next 10 years we're going to focus on and whoever is going to be the leader to get that started has to be able to cross the sectors and build that table and then follow through on it. I think most times that, that uh, well, I don't want to say this. I, I want to be careful what I say here. Uh, I think that could very well be a private sector person. My hunch for Tucson, this is a gut hunch. My gut hunch for Tucson is that it has to be an elected. And I don't want you to hear that this, you know, this is something else going to start and end with, with the public sector. Um, I- innovative economies start when the triple helix happens. I don't care whether you're looking at Silicon Valley, whether you are looking at the research triangle in North Carolina, whether you are looking at Israel and Tel Aviv. It always starts when those three units are pulling on the same rope together. And then I think it's most successful when the public sector that drives it, whether it's NASA funding or universities, then uh, de-risks the market so that the private sector can then jump in with both feet. That has been the model I have seen of success. Don't take my word for it. Look around the country. Find me a place where that hasn't been the case. That's actually a question. Find me a place where that hasn't been the case. I think for Tucson, it has to be someone in the public sector. That's just my gut feeling um, that the continuity and the sustainability of these kind of conversations is going to have to come from someone from the public sector, uh, and I think mainly an elected at that platform, uh, to be able to pull all the units together credibly and to launch and keep this thing moving. That's just my gut hunch for Tucson. Who that person is, I don't know. Do we have that person today? I don't know. That's as good of an answer as I think I can give today. Uh, and, uh, and we actually had multiple people asking that question. That's where I'll leave it today. But that's, that's the sector that I think has to drive this specifically and specifically in Tucson. Somewhere else, it could be a private sector. It could be uh, a major philanthropist billionaire. I don't know. Uh, but here, I think it has to be uh, someone who sees their role as a public sector leader, as being a convener um, of, this, of this conversation.
Uh, we're getting to about that time where if you call in, I don't know if I can get to you. You can try, we can try, but you can always reach me, Zienser, first initial, last name, at gmail.com, uh, especially on this topic. I'd love to continue uh, the conversation, but I am fired up. Uh, after that conversation with Stephen Fleming, uh, I, I want I had more topics than that to get to today. I can touch on one here very quick, but I actually want to uh, return to this topic at a later time this week when I have time. Uh, but you know, uh, top of the news, uh, even nationally, has been the L.A. mayoral race. Obviously, a big city, and after about eight or nine years, there will be a new mayor. Uh, of LA and new polls are showing that Karen Bass, uh, Congresswoman, I believe, who was actually on the short list for vice president for Joe Biden uh, back in the day, is running for mayor. And then uh, developer Rick Caruso is the other front runner. And the polls are showing that those two are in a dead heat. Karen Bass uh, uh, had a huge lead to start. And Rick Caruso has caught up mostly because he's dropped $10 million in ads. $10 million in ads uh, will we'll get things done in the, uh, in, the, in the court of public opinion. Um, not many people have that kind of money to, to throw in there. But they are in a dead heat. Uh, and there was a poll uh, where people were asked, uh, what, are the, uh, what are the issues, uh, pick the two issues that were key to how you will vote uh, in this election. Homelessness was by far the top issue, as well as crime and public safety. And I want to come back to this topic, but I want to make the point here before we get out of here that I think the American city is the great equalizer in this American moment where everything is nationalized, where regular people, where regular working families are forgotten in this country around big nationalized issues, around culture wars and social wars. The American city is the great equalizer that brings us all back down to earth and says at the end of the day, black, brown, white, poor, rich, urban, suburban, we all expect our city to work. We expect the normal people's scorecard to work. Can you afford to live there on the wages of a good paying job, on good streets near good parks, good schools, and safe neighborhoods? And nowhere do you see that more clearly than in the American city. And in a city like Los Angeles that leans very much left, that has a candidate who leans left, and this isn't about left or politics, this I'm just saying, uh, in a in an electorate in a in an open seat with a clear candidate um, who has been speaking on national issues, a developer who used to be a Republican, then an independent, now a Democrat, gets to come in and tap into the frustration of people across a background a diversity of backgrounds who are asking about the normal people's scorecard. And I think no place does that better than the American city that brings people down to earth and say at the end of the day, these are the issues we have to get right. And if we're not getting it right, we'll look somewhere else. I think it's a beautiful, powerful, equalizing thing that can actually bring our American life uh, back to the center again. It happens in the American city. That's it for us today. Tomorrow, we're going to have Supervisor Steve Christie on the show. A boring week in uh, beautiful Pima County, but we'll find something to talk about with Supervisor Steve Christie. Jeff Locks and our Faith and Culture contributor will be with us as well. Hugh Hewitt's up next, but Buckmaster at noon, Tucson. Thank you for listening to us today. 
We'll see you tomorrow, Wednesday.